Well, let's, let's look and see if God's got anything else. I feel like we're pressed down, overflowing, but let's see. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. And we have a story here that we've all heard a bunch of times. It's the parable of the man that goes out and casts seeds. And thankfully, Jesus interprets it for us. But one of the things that's interesting is as he's preaching it, that I really didn't notice, it says, And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So imagine this, if you will, that Jesus is teaching a story, and as he's teaching it, he says, All right, if you've got ears to hear, listen to this. And he would teach a little bit more. Hey, hey, if you've got ears to hear, listen to what I'm saying. And that tells me that sometimes we don't have ears to hear. We hear, but we don't hear. We don't have eyes to see. We see, but we don't see. I remember uh, I had gone on a mission trip into Nepal, and it was right after Nepal had fallen to the communists, and we had gone. Uh, Kika was, our, uh, was the one who'd put the trip together, and so we went out in the middle of nowhere. We literally went, as he put it, we will go until the, the jeep goes no more, and then we'll walk, and then we'll get there. And I, I remember the hour or two that we walked through the, the jungles there, asking the uh, everybody there has a name that is, uh, uh, that is named after one of their local gods. And so when people get saved, everybody changes their name. And so it was very interesting to be around Barnabas and Paul and Peter. And so our, our God was Barnabas. And I was like, Barnabas, how much further? And he's like, oh, five minutes. It's okay. It's okay. Five minutes. It's okay. And then we'd go about another half hour. I'm like, Barnabas, when are we going to get? Oh, just five minutes. And I thought I was going to die. And I'm wearing hiking boots and all this kind of stuff. And he was literally dressed in a suit. Um, with like dress shoes. So anyway, uh, we, we went up there and, and taught this group of pastors and we were coming down out of the mountain. And um, it was the, late at night. I had been, we'd been up in the mountains for about a week. And so I'm covered in, in, in you know, just with white, literally the only thing we had to bathe with was wipes. And so I'm dirty. And I had this silly looking hat on that the natives all wear because every village I went to, they would give me one of those hats and, oh, you're one of us now. And so I had this hat on and uh, we were going down the mountain and we get down and the we were in the back of a vehicle that had kind of a canvas top and we couldn't see where we were. And the vehicle stops, and so I go to stick my head out of the door, and, and uh, Barnabas says, no, 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 we're, we're at a checkpoint. And uh, we were coming into a city, and outside of that city, they had put up a checkpoint. And uh, this probably 15-year-old kid with an uh, uh, SKS comes around to the back of the truck, throws the, the back of the flap over and shines a flashlight in, and the, the people that we were with were all... Uh, from up in the mountains, and there, there's a derogatory term that the people in the cities use for those, and he says something along the lines of, oh, that's just a bunch of rednecks from up in the mountains, and let the, let the flap down and drove on. And I honestly didn't think anything about it because we were dirty, we had, we had their little hats on, we, we looked native. I mean, I, I know I, I looked about as white as a white person can be, I was with Patrick at a church a few weeks later. We were sharing about our trip, and he starts telling that story, and tears filled his eyes, and he said, God blinded the eyes of that guard, and how if that little guard had caught him two Americans, he would it'd make him a colonel. He would have made his world. And I thought at the time, well, I just missed a miracle. 
because it had never crossed my mind what kind of danger we were in, how at that moment with the country in turmoil because it had just fallen to communism, how at that moment we could have been snatched out of that vehicle and I'd still be under the jail in Nepal. A miracle had happened around me and I didn't see it until another believer pointed it out. We can have eyes to see and miss things. And so as Jesus is teaching, he's calling out, don't miss this, listen. And so as we look at this parable this morning, historically we've always looked at it as this is how we deal with lost people, that lost people uh, are the soil that's hard. And I want to say that I think that that's true, but I also think that this applies to us. I think that this this parable tells us that we have a responsibility when we hear God's word being taught. That when God's word is being taught, we're responsible to make sure that that we're receiving it. So let's look at the parable. The first soil that Jesus talks about is the the, the seed falls on the path. Now, when I hear that in my mind, I think of a road and I think, what kind of stupid farmer is broadcast planting on top of a road? But it's not at all what the situation was. If you were in that day, they would have all understood this, that everybody would have a little half-acre plot that was theirs, and your neighbor would have a little acre, half-acre plot that was theirs, and there would be paths that ran in between all those plots of land so that people could go plant it, so people could go till it, so people could go hoe it. And that was where everybody walked. That was also the thoroughfares. In fact, we remember there's a story where Jesus and his disciples are walking along one of those kind of paths. And as they're walking along, they're running their hands over the wheat and they're getting kernels of wheat and eating it. And it was a Sabbath. Remember that story? So it's the same kind of path. It's the little walkways that go in between the fields. And so this farmer is out and he's taking a handful of seeds and he's broadcasting it as he goes. And some of it falls on the path where the soil is packed down. And on that path, it says, Some fell among the path and is trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devour it. And then Jesus tells us, The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. There are some people that are uh, inoculated to the gospel. I recently was talking to a man and I started to share the gospel and he says, hey man, you don't have to worry about that because in 1984, I was at this conference or I was at this revival and I got saved. So where'd you go? Where you go to church? Well, I ain't in church anywhere. Are you reading your Bible? Nah, I don't need it. I got saved. I got a check in the box. The heart, the soil of his heart has been packed down. He knows better. He didn't have to worry about all that gospel stuff. He didn't have to worry about what the Bible says. I signed a card in 1984. And so whenever the gospel comes into his life, the devil just flies down and plucks it out. You don't need that. You don't need that. And we who are Christians can get inoculated to teaching as well. We've heard it. I will tell you that this is the one that in my own heart scares me because it's really easy for us to sit there and a lot of you have grown up in the church, you've lived in the church your whole life, you've heard good preaching, you've heard the best teaching possible 
You've watched the videos. You've read the books. And so you see somebody who God has just gotten a hold of or God's word just flies into and they're repenting and they're moving. And you go, oh, that's just so sweet for them. And your own heart is not soft and pliable. And you don't read God's word and say, God, how do I need to change in the light of this? There are people in this room right now as I'm preaching that'll be saying, I am so glad my wife is getting to hear this. Or you're thinking, I wish my brother could be here because he needs this stuff. And you're not asking the question, God, what does this mean to me? And so the word just sits on top of the soil and the devil can come pluck it away. You don't need that. That's not for you. The second one is some fell on the rocks and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And Jesus explained it and said the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word they receive it with joy but they have no root they believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away you know on the one hand we've all seen this we've all seen somebody who who comes in they 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 cry they weep they repent they turn to god and they're faithful for about two months, three months, and then they miss a Sunday, and then they maybe here for a week or two, and then they miss two or three Sundays, and, the, and then something happens in their life, and they're gone. Those people are those people who when trials come into their life, there was no root. It didn't go down and absorb the moisture. In fact, if you've ever uh, in the spring planted uh, grass seeds, those that, 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 that get there in the, that, you know, the one place where you don't want it to grow in the cracks in the concrete, man, they'll just spring up. But then when it gets late summer and the sun's hitting it because there's no root underneath, they just wither and die. So as we look at our own heart, let's think about this. First of all, we can create this by saying this. You know what? God has a wonderful plan for your life. If you get saved, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be awesome. Your marriage is in trouble? Get saved. God will fix it. You're an alcoholic? Get saved and God will fix it. You, you're on drugs? Get saved and God will fix it. And we act like the moment that we get saved, all of our troubles go away. That if we're in Christ, our car's going to crank every time. Our hair's going to have lots of bounce. We're going to be looking good. We're going to get a good tan. And is that really how the Christian walk works? You know, we kind of perpetuate that because I remember when I, especially in the 80s, it seemed like we were in a contest to see who could describe the most evil, vile, wicked sins that God saved them from. And we would bring people in and, and they would say, hey, you know what? I was on drugs and I, I used prostitutes and I did that. And, and then God saved me. And then bam, it was all good. And there are people that are sitting in the audience who are like, wow, I got saved and I still have to fight those temptations. I got saved and there's some mornings I get up and all I want is a drink. I got saved and there's some times that I wish my wife would just shut up. <laughs> not my wife. I'm not saying me. 
Because, baby, you can talk whenever you want to. Because trials come in life. God doesn't say, I'm going to keep you from the valley. He says, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. We still have problems. In fact, when I ran from God, when I started getting right with the Lord and things started, that was when the enemy attacked me. He didn't attack me before he already had me. It was as things were coming together and I'm saying, God, you can have my life. Please don't let me have thrown things away that everything fell apart. Oh, thank you, Lord, that I had people in my life that helped dig deep. Please realize the bad stuff's going to happen. In fact, we're promised the bad stuff's going to happen. All those who love godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And the whole New Testament talks about participating in the sufferings of Christ. How is that possible if God wants me to always be wealthy, healthy, smart, and wise? No, we need roots that go deep. We need roots that are buried in this word. The third one we see, some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And Jesus explains, that's those who hear and they go on their way and they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. I was listening to uh, Matt Chandler preach on this text and he was saying that before he got saved, he would go to church and he would always take his boys with him when he went to church. And they would sit in the back and they would listen to the sermon and the Holy Spirit would convict him and he would know there was truth there. And he said they'd leave there and they'd go to some cheap restaurant and sit around and all the guys would sit around and make fun of the guy that was preaching. He said about 30 minutes before, the Holy Spirit's just rocking my heart. But now when everybody's sitting around going, can you believe that fool believes that stuff? Now it was cool to agree. Oh yeah, that's just stupid. And pretty soon that conviction just dissipated. I've seen in my own heart before when I've been convicted of something where God's worked in, on my heart, where God's shown me something. And I said, you know what, I'll deal with that. And then, what's the expression we use? Life happens. Kid gets sick. Car breaks down. You're not thinking about it anymore. I found one of my journals from when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager. And I'm like 35 now. I shouldn't have laughed that quickly. And a lot of the sins that I struggled with today, I was struggling with when I was 15. Life happens. Don't let the cares of this world Come into your life. When you hear God's word convicting you, when you hear the Holy Spirit call, do something about it. Then move. So that third one is a promise. It's going to happen. God's going to start moving in your life. We jumped off a lot of cars in this parking lot. The devil's going to do whatever he can to make sure that the cares of this world just choke out that truth. The final one we see 
is some fell onto good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And Jesus said, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, there are two responsibilities I see in what Jesus talks here, says here. There's a responsibility of the sower and there's a responsibility of the hearer. So let me talk first about the responsibility of the sower. That's not just me, by the way. This morning, I'm sowing seed. That's what I'm doing. I'm walking around here. I'm broadcasting. Some of you are going to get this. Some of you aren't. That's just what I'm doing. That's how God has chosen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to get his word out there. And so I'm sowing. I'm sitting here sowing. And so I've got a responsibility. In the front of my Bible, I've written in big, bold letters, preach the word. I took a piece of paper and typed it up and put it on the front of this pulpit. Preach the word. I want to remind myself that the Bible tells me that God's word will not return void, doesn't say a word about Tom's word. And so one of the things Jesus said when he was translating or telling us what this parable meant, he said, the seed is the word of God. And so... Remember that as we're talking to people, God's word has power. It has authority. Now, lest you think that I'm the only sower, in Acts chapter 4, we, we read this. Now, those who were scattered, men, women, everybody that was under persecution, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. In fact, one of the best descriptions I've ever heard of this, the way this is structured in the Greek is gospel gossip. That whenever they were in stores, whenever they were around other people, any time they could control the conversation, they're talking about Jesus. They're turning the conversation toward Jesus. They're, they're applying it. They're putting truth out there. Hey, you know what? I, and what that's telling me is, is that when, when we do that, we need to focus on the fact of the Word. I may have shared you, with you that when we lived in Turkey, I went with one of the, the preachers to, to witness with somebody, and we were sitting there, and I was struggling in Turkish, but I kept saying, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. He's telling me what Islam teaches, and I'm saying, well, I believe that, I believe that, that, that Jesus is this, or I believe, and we got in the car, and Orhan turned to me and said, hey, brother, I love you, but nobody cares what you believe. You could have said the exact same thing, but said, God's word says, and had a lot more impact. And so one of the responsibilities of the sower is, is that we need to be in God's word. We need to be immersed in God's word, so that if somebody comes up to you and has a question, you know what God's word says about it. And as you tell people that you're a Christian, as you get a reputation for, as, for being Christian, people are going to watch you. They're going to be looking, and they're going to ask you questions. Sometimes it's just like what happened to Jesus. They're just attempts to trip you up. But sometimes it's a sincere heart that's seeking for the truth. You've got to be ready at those points. That is not the time to go, give me a sec, let me call my preacher. Hey, man, what do I do here? So we, we need to know God's word. We need to, to, to be prepared for God's word. 
In 2 Timothy 4, it says, I charge you in the presence of the living God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and dead by his appearance in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. And then there's the work of the hearer. Remember in verse 8 where Jesus is saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, as Jesus finished this up and he said, Some fell in the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. I think about that and I think, that I want that to be me. I want to be that guy that's bearing fruit a hundredfold. I want to do that, God. Can I do that for you? And he tells us how. He says, as, they, as for the, that and the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast. The difference between the other three soils and the good soil, one of them is, is that we hear the word and we grab it. Oh God, put this onto my heart. Teach me from this. Apply this. How does my life need to change in the light of this scripture? They hold to it with a sincere heart. They cling to it like to a, to a lifeline. We need to have that kind of a heart. And an honest and good heart. I think that honest heart is a big part too because sometimes people listen to, to preaching like I'm doing here or when somebody's sharing the gospel and it's not honest. They're, they're trying to pick it apart. They're looking for something that's wrong. And so we, we listen to God's word being preached. We read God's word. We study God's word in such a fashion that is honest and sincere. It says, this is really where I am. And the final thing I see is that they bear fruit, it says, with patience. Again, going back to what we've, we've seen and what we talked about is how often has we, have we had somebody that got up and said, you know what, I struggled with this all my life and then I got saved and then bam, I didn't struggle with it anymore. And what Jesus says here is that they bear fruit, not immediately, not without any help, but with patience. And you know what that patience implies? Is that sometimes we're going to mess it up. Adrian Rogers says, uh, Christians are the only military force in the world that shoot their own wounded. That if somebody fails and they falter in Christ, we cut them off. You're done. And we need to realize, I wish and I can't speak for any of you, I wish in my own heart that my Christian walk went from down here, I'm a reprobate, up here, I'm Christ-like, and it's a straight line. I'm getting more and more and more and more and more like Jesus every day. That's how it's supposed to be, right? But isn't our Christian walk really like this? That some days you wake up in the morning and you're like, yeah, Satan, bring it. Come on. That's all you got? Woo! I'm going to put some Christian tunes on in the car. I got this one. And you're ready to rock and roll. And that day, you're all about it, man. You're sitting around the break room, and somebody comes by and says, man, the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know what's going on. And you're like, I got this one. Yes, let me tell you. I'll, I can't say hell, can I? Um, 
If I keep the hell in a handbasket, is that okay since it's an expression? Okay, I'm getting some nodded heads. Good, good. Okay, so somebody says something and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what the Bible says about that. I know how to deal with that. And that day, man, you were on fire. Your kids, you come in, they're like, I made a C, Dad, I'm so sorry. And you're like, I love you, child. Come here, let me get you. And you know what? Jesus loves you too. And you're just on it that day. And then the very next morning you wake up. Like, who are all you people and why are you in my house? You get in the car and turn the radio on, and it, it, some Christian song comes in, and you're like, whatever, man. I'm lifting to 93.1. Give me some ZZ Top. Because <laughs> i got to feel good about life. Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man. <laughs> and your kid comes in, and they broke the window, and you're like, what kind of idiot are you? How many times have I told you not to play with that stupid ball in that stupid yard? No ball for anybody ever. And we had, if you're like me, I lay down that night and I go, why am I even doing this Christianity thing? I can't do this. I'm just a failure. And what Jesus says here is that if we want to bear fruit, we got to be patient. We got to realize that he's doing a work in us. And we need other believers to come along beside us and help till that soil up. Hey man, I'm praying for you today. And when we see our brothers beside us acting like an idiot, doing something they're not supposed to do, instead of going, I just knew he wasn't saved. <laughs> Said the whole time, he's a fake loser. Instead of doing that, we love on him. We pray for him. We come along beside him. I got your six, man. I got your back. It takes time. It takes patience. It's just like we talked about two weeks ago. Real Christianity is a slow, plodding, little bit at a time. It's a fight. It's a walk. I'm a little bit more like Jesus now. I'm a little bit more like Jesus now. Maybe we get knocked back. And then I'm a little bit more like Jesus now. And we stay patient and we stay in the fight. Being a Christian is not for wimps. We can't do it. What God has called on us to do, we can't do. Which is why we fall on our face and we say, oh God, I'm a sinner. I need you to help me today to be the man or woman of God that you called me to be. Today. And we do good squad tactics. We get in there with each other and we love on each other and we pray. I want to bear fruit for my Savior. And that's how we do it. Now, the scary thing is, is that of the four people that Jesus talks about, three of them walk away. Now, I don't think that that's necessarily mathematically accurate, that, that it's really a three to four ratio, but I think Jesus is trying to say, it's hard. It's hard. And so as we come to a time of invitation, if you're lost in this room, and God's convicted you that you need a Savior, don't walk out this door without getting saved, without calling on the name of the Lord. The vultures are waiting to take the seed right now. If you're in here and you're a believer, and your graph is down here, 
we have a, a Savior who's just to forgive sins if we just confess them. And finally, if you're looking for a church home, if you need some place to get in the fight with other people who will speak truth into your life, who will love you, then these doors are open. Father God, Lord, I pray. God, that you shoo off the birds. That you break up the soil. That you dig up those rocks. Oh God, let us be a people that bear fruit. Lord, these things we ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen.